I like old movies. I really enjoy sitting back and watching a good old black and white movie. Humphrey Bogart and Lorne Bacall are two of my favorites. I just love to watch an old classy film from the 1930s or, or the 1940s. One of my favorite movies is um, One Foot in Heaven, which came out in 1941 and stars Frederick March and Martha Scott. It's a story about a medical student who, back in about 1904, decided instead of going into the medical profession after he graduated from medical school, instead of becoming a doctor, he decided to answer the call to ministry, went off to seminary, and became ordained as a Methodist pastor. And it's a movie that details, chronicles their life, this couple's life, and the growing of their family as they moved from difficult church to difficult church to difficult church living in the difficulties of a fishbowl parsonage where everybody can look in and see what's going on and dictate what furniture gets to be used in what room. Thank God we got rid of furniture in our parsonages, my friends. When I lived in a church-owned house and they had furniture in it, guess what? You could not move a sofa from a room. It was that difficult. And that was detailed. That was chronicled in this movie, the difficulties of parsonage life. And especially of raising children in that fishbowl of a society. And especially at a time and a place in an era back in the early 20th century when moralistic concerns were really strong in the Methodist church. Where they had rules and regulations in the book of discipline against wearing jewelry or wearing makeup or dancing. Yeah, not just the Baptist friends, Dan Methodists, they taught against dancing. They taught against, of course, drinking and smoking. Uh, drinking was a huge no-no. There was even a regulation in the book of discipline against going to movies. Well, that seems strange. Why in the world would they have a regulation against going to movies? Well, movies were viewed as a way of introducing, especially young people, to all the evils of the world. And so this pastor is dealing with his children, especially his son, who desperately wants to go to the Nickelodeon and see the new movies, the silent movies in that era. And he just loved going and he would go in secret. His father caught him at it. His father was told by somebody else who saw him at the movies that, oh, your son is going to the movies. Uh, you know, idle hands are the devil's playground kind of idea. And so his father, the Methodist pastor, scolded him heavily. And the son said, but, but this is where all my friends go, and this is, this is not bad stuff. And so the dad, the loving dad, who was a pastor, relented and decided to take his son to the movies to see for himself the evils of the flickering screen. And they went in there and they watched this movie and it was a movie about the robbing of a stagecoach and how the bad guys couldn't get away. They got caught, they got, they got caught and tried and convicted. In other words, justice was done in the movie. And the dad started to see that maybe there was something of value in those movies. And he began to change. And the church began to change through the first half of the 20th century. The Methodist church changed tremendously. 
The idea was that if you saw something in the movie or if you put on makeup or you went dancing with your friends, that you would be introduced to all sorts of unsavory and wrong kind of ideas, that you, that you would become polluted with evil. In the ancient world, it was believed, and this is true up until very recently, just a hundred years ago, in the ancient world, especially in the times of Jesus, it was believed that if, well, John over here, if John happened to have an issue of blood, a boil on his skin or something, and then he were to come up to me and touch me, his uncleanliness, his ritual defilement would be transferred to me. I didn't have to see or touch the boil. He would simply have to come and touch my shoulder, my clothed shoulder with his hand as he could even have gloves on. And it would still be his ritual uncleanness would still be transferred to me. It's an ancient way of looking at ritual uncleanness, ritual defilement. And that's what's being spoken about here today in the reading from the Gospel of St. Mark. This idea that eating with unwashed hands wouldn't just make you physically sick, although it could do that. It made you ritually, spiritually unclean, ritually and spiritually defiled. That's what they worried about. That's what they were concerned about. This idea that touching something that you shouldn't touch being with people you shouldn't be with. My goodness, they used to criticize Jesus for going out and eating with tax collectors and sinners. They accused Him of being a, a, a drunkard because He would go and spend time with the sinners of the world. In other words, their sin would rub off on Him, they thought. You've kind of heard that. You heard that when you were a kid. Don't go anywhere. Jesus won't go with you. What a load of baloney. Jesus is everywhere and goes with us absolutely everywhere. But that was the attitude and that was the teaching of the world. But it's not what Jesus was saying here. <laughs> Jesus said very clearly, listen to me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile them. But the things that come, from, come out, the things that come out from that person is what defiles them. It's our harmful words and deeds, our unthinking and unfeeling actions, how we treat others, how we abuse others, how we disregard others. These sinful behaviors, sinful because they harm others and us, these are what defile us. Now, that word defile, that, that causes some people lots of problems. What does that word defile mean? Well, it translates a Greek word, uh, koinoo or koinos, and it means to sully or to make dirty or icky. Blech. Now, we're often taught in the Western world, in Western Catholicism and 
Western Protestantism and in evangelicalism, we're taught uh, to view sin as an individual thing, just like salvation. We, we, we stumble into sin, and it's our sins that we are doing, and we are sinners, and I am a sinner. These types of, this type of language is common in the Western church especially, this idea that sin is individual, but so also is salvation. Salvation is a personal relationship with God. It is something that we do. It is something that we receive as people, as individuals. And that's true also in the meaning of this word koinao. It, it, it is true that sin defiles us, that things that come out of us, that our actions and our words and our deeds are what defile us. But it's not just a personal thing. It's not just an individual thing. The word koneo can also be, mean to be made common, to be together, to be usual, to be ordinary, to be profane, to be something other than extraordinary. It's the root word for the Greek word for joint participation. When we talk about the church and its activities together, we say that things are done jointly together, koinonia, jointly together, joint participation, in unity together, common shared ideas. In other words, our sins are not just individual to us. Our sins aren't just those things that we do. Our sin isn't just falling short of God's glory ourselves. Our sin isn't just missing the mark of God's will for us ourselves. Our sin is also communal, jointly done, socially done, culturally done. It is rooted in the very depths of our society as human beings. I believe it helps us to understand the nature of sin in both its individual and its communal aspect. If we understand that defilement means not just personal ickiness, but our shared cultural ickiness, like racism, bigotry, prejudice, ethnic racial cultural supremacy, elitism, sexism. Homophobia, the exclusion of people due to socioeconomic differences, political differences, national differences, sexual orientation, gender identities, how we treat others, our behaviors towards others, our failure to love our neighbor as ourselves, as God has loved us, these communal behaviors, these systemic ills these sins of our society that we so often buy into ourselves even subconsciously due to the privilege that we have in our upbringing. These are what defile us just as much as personal sin. The list that Jesus gives was reflective of the cultural practices of His day. They were highly problematic within the Jewish society, and, and we share them too. Let's look at that list. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. And is that ever true? Yes, absolutely. 
Look at the list. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness. That's a fun one. We'll come back to it. Envy, slander, pride, and folly. All these evil things come from within. And they defile a person. Wow. These come from within. They come from within us. And when they come out, when they bubble out, when they surge out, individually or as a society, they ruin us. They defile us. A lot of the people like to roost on those things that appear to have something to do with sex. That's very popular, especially amongst preachers in the Western world today. They just love to beat on those things that have something to do with sex, like fornication, adultery, and licentiousness. So let's take a look at those for just a moment. Each details practices that violate the sexual and gender personhood, dignity, and integrity of other people. Each one of these attacks denigrates, tears down, destroys the personhood and integrity of other people. Look at fornication. It's not an accident that the Greek word that we translate fornication is the word pornea, from which we get the word pornography. A visual degrading, an objectivizing, an exploitation of other people. Hmm. Yep. That is what fornication is. Oh, no, Greg, that's having sex outside of marriage. Hmm. That's an aspect of it. Outside of a committed relationship, yes, but it's more importantly the abuse of another. That word contains within it this concept of abuse exploitation, ruining, denigration of another sexually. Adultery involves behaviors that violated one or more parties in a marriage covenant. Rape or sexual behaviors that harmed people within the marriage covenant. I mean, a good example of that, of course, is David and Bathsheba in which you had a violation of the marriage covenant, then it ended up resulting when, the king tried, when King David tried to cover it up, he ended up getting Uriah, the, the husband of Bathsheba, killed to try to cover it up. Ah. Licentiousness. <laughs> this word just sounds racy and exciting, but in truth it's translating a Greek word, uh, aselgia, that is less than racy or exciting. It means brutal and unrestrained violence, unprincipled behavior, self-centered, narcissistic behavior, sometimes around sexual practices, but usually just around anything. Wow. In other words, all three of these behaviors come out of us and are part of our society come bursting out of us. And they all have a negative impact on other people. They harm people. They harm relationships. They harm the integrity of others. 
And that's why they're here. And they were a serious problem within the Jewish community of Jesus' day. Take a look, for example, at, and, and, and it's culturally oriented as well. Take a look at, for example, at adultery again. In adultery, you had a violation of property rights. Huh? Yes, because in the ancient world, women were property. Property of their husbands, property of their sons, property of their fathers and uncles, whoever was the male in the society and male in the family, they, women were their property. We don't view women, thank God, as property any longer. And yet adultery violates the personhood of men and women when the marriage covenant is violated. Humans are cultural beings. We are creatures of society. None of us are divorced from the society and culture in which we live, in which we are raised, in which we are enculturated. Even if only subconsciously, we share the communal sins of our society. I was raised to view racism as a sin. My mom and dad taught me that it was wrong to treat other people as if they were different from me or beneath me or inferior to me based upon skin color. That's how I was raised. Uh, bigotry, prejudice, racism. I was taught that all of those were sin with a capital S. However, perhaps even worse than their personal components of how I and others can be racists is the cultural reality that we live in a society that has been structured with a prejudice that favors one group over other groups. In our world today, in this society, it's white people over other ethnic and racial groups. It's the foundation of white privilege or the collection of covert and overt advantages that I have because I'm a white guy living in America. Now, there are advantages that I have because I'm a white guy living in America. Women, there are advantages that you have because you're a white woman living in America. Fewer than me because I'm a white guy, but you got them. In fact, interestingly enough, I'm a white gay guy living in America. And that means that some of the advantages and some of the privileges that I have because I'm a white guy are subtracted from because I'm a gay guy, have been historically subtracted from because I am gay. And indeed, many of us are still heavily oppressed because we're gay in this society. It was only six years ago, 2015, that homosexuals were granted the right nationwide to marry. And it was only last year, June of 2020, that the United States Supreme Court ruled the federal ban on discrimination based on sex 
applies to gay, lesbian, and transgendered employees. Wow. That doesn't mean that I don't have a lot of privilege because I'm a white guy. I do. And that's part of our systemic sin, too. But the oppression of people based upon their race or their gender, the fact that women don't make as much as men is a horrible sin. Based upon their sexual orientation or sexual identity or gender identity, these are all systemic sins of our society, of our culture. We, sh- we can and do try to not behave accordingly, but sometimes it's so deeply grained within us by our culture and society that it's hard to get away from it. And it's certainly hard to get away from those privileges and advantages that we have because of our various statuses within our society. That's what Jesus was meaning when he said that it's not what goes in that defiles us, it's what comes out. Listen to me, all of you, and understand there's nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. Personal things, individual issues, actions, words, failure to act, discriminations and prejudices, but also the cultural and social ones that we share by being part of this society, that we buy into either subconsciously or consciously, that we accept either covertly or overtly. We participate in things that defile us. We wonder why there's so much strife and struggle in our culture, in our society, in our world today. We fail to follow the commandment of Christ, to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's what defiles us, individually, personally, and as a society. It's what comes out of us that makes us unclean. May we always turn to Christ Jesus. May we always turn to the Lord our Messiah. May we always turn to God for our source of strength to overcome these things which defile, to set them aside, to turn them over to God, to release them to God. To realize that it's not our advantages or our privileges that matter, but the grace of God that matters. My sisters and brothers, my siblings, my friends, we must always turn to Christ and reach out and receive the blessing that we have been given to realize that in Christ Jesus, we are all one, and that the love of God in Jesus breaks down every barrier and knits us together as one family.
hear that good news. Remember it. Praise and thank God for it. Ask God to root out those things in you that you know need to be removed before they come blowing out of you. The anger, the hatred, the bitterness, the pain, the prejudice, the bigotry, the fear. Just all of this is governed by fear. Ask Jesus to root out of you all of that and hand them over to God. For it's not what goes in. It's not what we see or hear. It's not the movies or the dancing, the makeup, not even the smoking and drinking that defile us. You might be stupid, but they don't spiritually defile us. No, it's what comes out of us. The anger, the bitterness, the division, the prejudice, the segregation. It's those things that make us unclean. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Son.